KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you until noon. That's the case every Monday through Friday, 10 until noon, for Trent and myself. Uh, we're glad you're with us. Coming up, it's a busy show here today. Uh, we're going to talk Iowa Wild as they get set to begin the second round of their Calder Cup quest. Uh, Chicago tonight is the opponent. The Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, AHL affiliate will host the Iowa Wild game one tonight, game two tomorrow. Joe will join us today to break things down for us, give us a preview of the series coming up in about 10 minutes. Mark Morehouse dotting I's, crossing T's on Hawkeye Spring Football forward to chatting with mark you know i'm going to do it no 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 i have to at least get one or two hockey questions maybe one okay one i've enjoyed the hockey playoffs again did you watch columbus and the bruins last night still didn't get into that though oh it's the best series going trent really i think it is columbus can win it all columbus can win it all. columbus can win it all well you know i i like to wager on things like this what are they right now any idea they i I gave you the San Jose one that I had before. Yep. What that did you? What did you? What do you have them at? Twelve to one, and they're got to be significantly less now. Four to one. They are the favorite. Are they really plus two seventy? They're the favorite. They're the favorite. I have them twelve to one. Feeling good. Blues are the second choice, seven to two. Yeah, they play tonight. That's a good series too. Carolina nine to two. No, they can't do it. And then Columbus at five to one. So you like that price? I do. I do. This is going to be a hell of a series. Boston's a terrific, uh, terrific team. Whoever comes out of this one, I think, wins the East, meaning they'll knock off either Carolina or the Islanders. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. But I got to ask one more, one question for Mark. That's Allow okay. me to That's do okay. that. I just like to give you crap. From I know time you to do. Time. We got a lot of hockey talk here early today. Is this? Yes, we do. With uh, Joe O'Donnell, about five or six minutes. Uh, it's Wednesday. That means David Kaplan is going to join us. In fact, uh, Trent and I taped David Kaplan at uh, eight forty this morning. We spent ten or fifteen minutes with Cappy. Look forward to that. We'll get into the. Um, not the controversy, or maybe it is turmoil surrounding the Cubs and their manipulating the media coverage of their team. It was a story that was broken Yahoo Sports on Sunday. And then very quickly, Jesse Rogers from ESPN 1000 and Cappy both came, chimed in and said, look, if it, if it happens, it didn't happen on our watch. It's never been the case with us. But this morning, Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune, who's been covering baseball for how long, Trent? Decades? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember him back in the certainly early 90s. It probably goes back to before that, right? Yeah, I know he's been with them a long time. Um, and uh, he said, you know what? They do. They do try to um, not manipulate, but... But that's you... the imperative word, try. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good. Thanks for pointing that out, because you're right. Just because they try... Doesn't mean that it works. Right, and I would hope that they wouldn't do that. That's what journalists are for. But to say that they haven't done it, I think would be unfair. And I think... Everybody does. Yes, in whatever way possible. It, it, and it's different for different organizations, different for different schools, whatever it may be. I mean, you told when, when you guys jumped on the air almost 25 years ago how it was, 
Iowa State was beating on the doors just to get on the radio. Yeah. Tom Crochelle, uh, he was terrific. Yeah. Iowa, on the other hand, didn't take our call. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're good. No, we don't need this. You're what? In your where? In Des Moines? And you're doing sports talk full time? Yeah, you know what? We're good. And that's changed. Kirk Ferentz has changed. It has. It is significantly. I mean, the media watched practice last Friday night, Trent. Right. Something that would never have happened. Small miracle, it seems like, right? And it is. Yes. But it's a baby step. Maybe we'll see. I hope it catches on at Ames. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. It hasn't yet. I mean, they've got a television network. They won't even broadcast the spring practice. Can't you cut together some clips or something? Would it kill you, right? You right. have to feed the beast. Yes. Don't run and that's your, what it is. Right. Don't run your top secret plays that you're getting ready to unveil when it's Oklahoma or when it's Iowa, whether it's Texas, whoever. You're, you're installing a package for Riel Mitchell. Don't show that part. You don't have to show that part. But edit something together, a half-hour show. Right. Here, here's a couple of live scrimmage plays. Here's a big touchdown. Here's a big interception. Let the beast see Brock Purdy find his new receiver yes. down the field. And, oh, wow, can't wait Look for at the fall. That. And then we'll have all summer long. We'll be hyping the yes, kid up. Yes, absolutely. And then we won't see him That's on the field. That's the beast that I refer to. It's the, it's the hype machine. Uh, so we will uh, talk to David Kaplan. We're also going to talk to Alex Halstead. He covers Iowa State for 24-7 sports. A lot of recruiting stuff going on there, which is why I believe Halstead's probably going to be a part of this you know, weekly because mm-hmm. he's so good at recruiting and and uh we're gonna pick his brain also taylor horton tucker getting an invite to the combine that's big huge yes very very important in his hope to be a first rounder that's mm-hmm. what it is second round picks nice you can mm-hmm. be a, a stash guy there or it might not work out and you have to go overseas but especially for somebody as young as taylor horton tucker to get that first round yeah, he pick, doesn't turn 19 until november which is crazy let me go back nuts? to the maui last year and they were talking about that. his 18th birthday yes He's going to be selected. He is. He's played his last game. I'm with you. I'm and with you. he's going and to... didn't play in his last game at Iowa State in the second half for the most part. Right. Yes. I mean, he was stapled to the bench, and he's a first round pick. And um, anyways, upside. Yeah, it's that. clearly there but to get there to get that invite. Certainly is going to be a big help for yep. him trying to get into that first round and get that grade. And you're a playoff team. I mean, you're looking for towards the future. No. I mean, and that's t- who's going to be picking when Taylor Horton Tucker comes off the board. Playoff teams. The Celtics. Perfect. Yeah. Very deep team. Who knows what the future of Kyrie is. It, but you get, look down the line. Well, he's a different player in the playoffs, Kyrie, yes, isn't he? Yes, he is. That team has Playoff Kyrie is unbelievable. Though, they got crushed last night. Yeah, throttled last night. So yeah. you watched the NBA last night? I did. I watched the NBA. I watched the NHL. Um, I don't know if I, I watched very, I, I shouldn't say that. I watched some Cubs late, but was back on the basketball before I uh, cashed it in last night. Um, didn't see your twins and I didn't miss anything. You they did got, not. I was off that one very quickly. Yeah, they got just bludgeoned last night, but you know what? It's a loss. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a 2 1 loss or a 14 zip, it counts the same. Point dif- run differential, does that not actually matter in the standings? No, absolutely not. And then, uh, just finishing the guest list, our final, um, our final team, uh, as we take a look back at their draft, we've done the Chiefs, Bat Bears, and Packers. Today we will get uh, Tim Yotter in here, vikingupdate.com. The Vikings had their open press availability yesterday. Spielman, uh, etc. the players, um, and Yotter was a part of that. So we'll do the draft, but we'll also get you caught up on what's going on. Up in Vikingville, uh, as they play home and away here all season long on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, Joe O'Donnell momentarily. That coverage tonight comes at 645. They'll drop the puck at 7. It's a best-of-seven series. Again, the first two 
in this series are in Chicago before the scene shifts back here. Sunday afternoon is game number three. Um, and then they wait until Wednesday for game four. So games three, four, and five are in Des Moines. Uh, game six and seven, if necessary, we would go back on the road uh, to Chicago. Let's get the voice of the Iowa Wild in here. He's Joe O'Donnell. He joins us. Joe, Trent, and Ken, you guys stayed out on the road, didn't have an opportunity to come home and get a change of clothes, and you couldn't be happier that that's the case. How are you? We'll take it. We'll take it, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you, Joe. Well, tell us about this Chicago team. They finished first overall in the Central. There were some good games. Iowa and Chicago played some good games over the uh, regular season. Uh, Chicago, no shock that they, you know, that they won the regular season. Um, are they the same team, Joe, as the last time that you saw them, which I believe was a 2-1 overtime win uh, in April? Yeah, it was. That was April 12th. You're exactly right, Kenny. That was a game that kept the wild season very much alive. Uh, to answer your question, yes, for the most part, they are that same team. They're a very different team, though, than they were from earlier meetings in the year where they had Daniel Carr, who finishes the league's MVP. They had Brooks Masick, um, a guy that put up you know almost a point a game. And uh, and Brandon Peary, who's, of course, starred for the Las Vegas Golden Knights now. Um you know, for a large chunk of this season and in the Stanley Cup playoffs until they were eliminated. Peary's not eligible to return. So Chicago's without some of those bigger names that Wild fans may have seen back in meetings in November and December and January. Uh, but they're still a very good team. They're, they're obviously a very competitive group. They beat Grand Rapids Griffins in five games. Uh, and they do it really by a sort of a team committee effort, tight checking and really good goaltending. So. Maybe not as highly offensive as they were back uh, at the start of the year, missing some big guys, uh, some big guns, but they're they're a really good team. With the series victory, Joe, moving on here and getting Chicago, it's been a long road trip. You're still going to be on the road for a few more days. I mean, what, what's it like for the team being out there, having to wait through the weekend to play that fifth game and getting the victory? How's it been just being around that group? Uh, it's been great. Guys are pretty excited. They are... Uh, Obviously excited to move on. It took, you know, down to the final minute, basically, to get that thing done in Milwaukee. So that was a great series. That was uh, evenly matched, and you have to give the Admirals credit. Obviously, they uh, they played a great series. Being down 2 nothing. they could have quit. They didn't. They gave the Wild everything they could handle. But I think what Iowa proved is that they can, they can win this time of year. And that's something that young players have to learn. Guys that have never been there before, guys that are in their first ever Calder Cup playoff action, their first taste of the postseason – to learn what it's like to win. Um, they're certainly an excited group. I hope they were able to rest up a little bit yesterday because they're back-to-back to start. You know, the mm-hmm. Wilds played five games in eight days in that first-round series. They were the last series to start, last series to finish, and they don't get a lot of time to rest up. So hopefully battle-tested and ready, but I'm hoping not leg-weary. Uh, tell us about uh, the Wolves goalie. I, mean, I anticipate it's going to be Danks, right? Who uh, I, We've seen an international competition. I believe he's a Swede. I'm, I'm sure he is. Um, what, yep. what, do you, what do you know about him, and do you anticipate that he's going to be the guy that gets the call up against uh, Hammond on the other end of the ice, right? Yeah, that's, that's totally what I anticipate, Kenny. Uh, I think the thing that, you know, what's interesting for me down the stretch is who were the Wolves going to go with, because Max Ladasse, who um, has had really good numbers at this level. He's played in the Stanley Cup, um, you know, in the NHL as well with uh, with Las Vegas. And I was sort of wondering who they were going to choose. They started dancing game one against the Griffins. From what I gathered, he wasn't very good. But they went with him the rest of the series thereafter. 
Um, and like I said, they prevailed over Grand Rapids in five games. So we'll be dancing as far as I can tell to start this series. Uh, he had good numbers against the Wild in the season series. But Hammond was undefeated against the Wolves in the regular season uh, with a, a save percentage of 941. So got a really good goaltending matchup again. Joe, we saw the uh, attendance in Milwaukee. There were plenty of good seats still available for those uh, three games. What's the what's it going to be like tonight in Allstate Arena in Chicago? How do they fill that place up? They do pretty well. Um, they have won 20 playoff series in their Calder Cup history, this Wolves team. They've won the championship twice. So there's no secret around here that this is, uh, you know, obviously a great tenured franchise with a long tradition. And I would say that with no Blackhawks hockey mm-hmm. for fans to maybe be deciding what they want to go see, I would imagine that the Wolves will do it right. Um, a back-to-back, never easy, you know, to, to get your casual fan to come out twice in a row, but the Wolves have been here so long. They have such a tenure in this town here in Rosemont, Illinois. I'd imagine that they get pretty good crowds for tonight and tomorrow. And tell me about Cody Glass, who uh, who's really a factor in the playoffs, and he was he was their first-round pick, right, the, uh, the year that they came into the NHL. Uh, is he slow developing, but he certainly had a good Calder Cup playoff so far. He's a threat, number 29. He is, yeah. We saw him in, on April 12th uh, for the first time. I believe he was six overall, the, the first-ever draft pick by yeah. Vegas. Now, he's a guy that uh, had sort of an injury-riddled junior career in Portland of the Western Hockey League. He only played about 40 games, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, in the, in the junior ranks this year. But he put up well over a point a game. And since he's kind of come back from that injury and found his stride, yes, he's been awesome. And, and I noticed on uh, the Calder Cup playoffs putting up good numbers against Grand Rapids. So he's certainly a guy that, again, didn't start the year with the Wolves, turned pro when his junior career finished just a few weeks ago. But he's already making an impact. What kind of series do you think it's going to be, Joe? Is this going to be a rough and tumble physical series? The, the regular season games help us out with those. Was this was this a uh, two teams that showed a great deal of dislike for each other? I mean, if that's the case, it's going to ratchet up even further, you would think. But is this going to be a physical series? I think this is going to be a tight checking series. I think this is going to be your two one three two nail biting type of game. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see seven nothing. I don't think you're going to see six one. But again, going in the Admiral series, you know, against Milwaukee there, I didn't expect that either. So Chicago was a little bit better than Milwaukee defensively in the regular season. So the Wild now back to back rounds taking on two teams that were basically top five in the league defensively. So you know they've got good goaltending. You know that they, they're committed, uh, on, on the defensive end of things. The thing that'll be important for me to watch is the specialty teams in this series because Chicago's power play did a great job against the Wild in the regular season. Nick Hag is a big blue liner. He's got an absolute cannon of a shot. He gave the Wild fits all year. Dylan Coughlin took over, starting to run one of their power play units uh, after the trade deadline when Vegas shipped out Eric Branstrom, who was a big part of this Wolves team. So that I mean, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I, you know, I think we're looking at coming back here at some point. To be quite honest, I don't think this is going to be a short series by any means. It's a two-three-two, which would mean Game Six and Seven be back here at Allstate Arena at some point, and. I would be absolutely shocked if we're not making another trip here. That'd be great. Well, steal game one. And Andrew Hammond, if you do steal game one, going to play a big role. Uh, Joe, you mentioned yeah. when we talked to you before game five that maybe, you know, he had some, he had some goals he'd like back in game number four, seemingly bounced back in a big, big way, so much so his teammates named him player of the game in game five. Yeah, 100%. And that's, again, I think we talked about it, the team had full confidence in him. And that's important, as you guys know, this time of year. If you believe in the guy between the pipes, if he gives up a soft one, you know it won't happen again. Or you know he'll rebound in the next game. And that is crucial this time of year for the guys to have that faith 
uh, and the Hamburglar. He's been great. He's, he's such a calming influence for the locker room. Uh, he never gets too high or too low to steal that cliche, and it's so crucial this time of year. He'll be ready to go. Um, he's a true pro. He's been great all season long. You know, outside of having a couple of injuries sort of mar his season for the most part, when he's been in that, he's been pretty darn good. So uh, I think the Wild are expecting that to continue here in the second round, and he'll get the start here in game one. And, you know, unless he completely falters or suffers some type of injury, uh, I'd imagine he gets the ball as much as possible. Fun story to cover. Uh, thank you, Joel O'Donnell. We'll talk to you on Friday after games one and two are in the books, and we'll preview game three as the scene, sh- game three as the scene shifts to Wells Fargo Arena in downtown Des Moines Sunday with a 3 o'clock uh, puck drop. Thank you, Joe. Love it, guys. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Joe O'Donnell, voice of the Iowa Wild. All right, now as we switch from hockey to golf, it's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword SUPER to 200-200 right now. Enter to win $1,000 cash. That's SUPER to 200-200. Standard message and data rate supply. Back with Mark Morehouse, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Edit. Why waste time and money? In-depth X's and O's analysis. It's Miller & Condon on 1460 KXNO. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. David Kaplan, brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa in about 10, 15 minutes or thereabouts. Mark Morehouse right now, Cedar Rapids Gazette, gazette.com backslash sports. Hello, Mark Morehouse, Trenton Ken, how are you? Hanging in there, guys. How are you? Doing fine. Iowa in a moment. Trent has uh, has given me one or two NHL questions before we move on to the Hawkeyes. Uh, Mark, is the Stanley Cup winner playing in the Boston-Columbus series? That's a great question. I, I'm starting to see some, and I hate to say this because I am a Blackhawks fan, and these are the Blues. I'm starting to see the Blues as being maybe a team that's kind of gilded. Mm-hmm. I mean, they won on the, that crazy maroon goal the other night. Yep, uh, I, I'm starting to see scenarios where I think that they can win it. Yes, I mean nobody's been hotter in the NHL since the calendar turned from 18 to 19. There's no question about that. I just this Columbus team. I, there's just something about them. They went for it at the trade deadline. They kept some of their own guys. They're nowhere going to walk, including Bobrovsky, their outstanding goalie. I, I just think that this team's legit, Mark. I do, and Boston's good in their own right. So we'll see. But I want to move on as Trent's giving me the 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 eye already uh-huh. uh, to get to Iowa. Um, you you witnessed practice, Mark on. On Friday, the media was allowed in. I guess you're, if you could narrow it down to one takeaway, which maybe is unfair, um, from from getting eyeballs on what you saw on Friday night, what was maybe your biggest takeaway? Uh, I would say the one thing, uh, Nico Regani, quickest feet. That, that's I'll just leave it at that. Just beautifully quick feet, and that really helped him get open. And uh, uh, that that's my one takeaway. He. he he, he has been sort of a there's been a little bit of a hype train for him this this spring, uh, having seen one practice now one kind of practice where you know they were, I think they kind of wanted to just make sure nobody tore an ACL. So I think I'm I bought in a little bit of the hype. I can see where he'd be really difficult to cover. I can see where um, his quick feet kind of shreds coverage and creates space for him. So quick feet on, on offense and that defense. I would say the. Uh, the stand-up defensive end is interesting, and I think it might be an interesting way to get quickness off the edge. 
probably pro- that also probably be a way to get linebackers to the field. So uh, just a couple of little quick takeaways. You mentioned Reganey, and he's a guy, certainly a lot of excitement there of a guy that's been thrust into the scene, and that slot position has been so important under Brian Ferentz to the offense. The other guy, though, Tyrone Tracy, is a guy that seems like he has a different element, a track type of guy. What do you see from him, if anything, and, and if those guys are splitting some reps, what he could do to open up the offense maybe even a little more? Yeah, there really wasn't a lot to see with him. Uh, he just was sort of, he wasn't as tar- targeted as much. I think the kind of the sort of the buried lead with him is uh, they're teaching him the X. They're teaching him the Z. They're teaching him uh, every position. So he's going to bring some position flexibility. Right now, I think uh, it, I think the wide receiver rotation looks pretty healthy at four. I'm going to count Regani and Tracy as three and four. Uh, one and two, obviously, Smith-Marset and uh, Brandon Smith. So I think that's those four with room to maybe add one or two more, but I think those are going to be your top four. I think Tracy could bring some. You, you might see him in a couple of different places. Interesting. Uh, help me out with the quarterback, if uh, the backup quarterback. We know it's Nate Stanley. But did you see anything from Manziel or Petrus? Not asking necessarily, Mark, who you think is going to be you know, second on the depth chart but when it comes out. But did either of those two guys, Manziel or Petrus, show you anything in the portion of uh, spring football that you saw that would lead you to believe, you know what, if it's a contact sport, if something happens to the starter, I was going to be okay with blank. Uh, how did the backups look in their battle? Um, they look like different players. Uh, Mansell, I think, is more exertatish. He he can move a little bit. Got good feet and uh, doesn't. He can fight pressure pretty well. I mean, he was under pressure a lot. AJ Anderson was uh, running around Friday night, and so I I, I kind of like his movability. Petrus has a big arm and he he really can whip it. Uh, uh, I would say I wouldn't totally rule out Alex Padilla. He probably has. You know, his body's probably not quite ready. But he showed me some accuracy Friday night that I really enjoyed. Um, really hung in there in some throws. Uh, so, yeah, they all have strengths weaknesses right now. It's, I think a lot of what we saw in spring is going to be decided in fall camp, and I think back of quarterback is definitely going to be one of them. With all those linebackers that, that you talked about in the depth there, maybe getting them out there as a rush end, a stand-up, kind of outside guy out there, possibility we see one, two of those guys flip over to the offensive side of the ball, be it as a fullback, maybe even a tight end. Is that a possibility just because of the numbers and the move away from the 4-3 to more of the 4-2-5? Maybe. Um, I wouldn't rule that out, but right now they're pretty healthy at fullback. Freddie Ross is back and he's healthy. And Oh, I want to say they're bringing up, trying to bring up Joe Ludwig to be the number two. And, and I think Iowa, the way they run the two-platoon fullback thing, it keeps the... Uh, the beatings down on one, on one just one guy. Um, tight end, I, I think no. I think I think tight end. They want a taller athlete. You look at the guys that they're recruiting now; they're in the six six range. So mm-hmm. uh, probably not a tight end. But I could see your logic there, Trent. I, you know, messing around on the, on the Un Iowa podcast earlier. That uh, I think really early in spring, we talked about. Oh, a guy like. Uh, Christian Welch, you know, he's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, maybe he could be, you know. It's something you could see where a guy could fit somewhere else, and they do want to get those bodies in the field. But I really think it's probably going to mostly be defense, and uh, I, I like that rush end idea. 
Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Hawkeyes now, Cyclones in 45 minutes with Alex Halstead at 24-7 Sports. Mark, what do you think between now and fall camp, uh, what's, what's Brian Ferentz's and Phil Parker's biggest concern? What'll, what'll cause them to, maybe not the most angst, but what will they be thinking about now, between now and fall camp is maybe something that they've got to solidify? I think with Brian, it's going to be the running game. Uh, I think that'll be the front porch thing. That if it's not working, that'll be the one thing that everybody's complaining about. I can guarantee you that. So, the running game for Brian, uh, defensively for Phil, how how does he feel about the start or the cash position? Uh, and right now, it you know they've been kind of quiet about it, but but it really does feel like redshirt freshman DJ Johnson is sort of in the uh, driver's seat of that position. How does that go this year? How does that look? Does that become more of a, does it become uh, just simply a, a personnel package or does it become sort of the main defense that they roll out with uh, from the opening stop? I, I don't think he's probably worried about that too much, but uh, I think just who's going to be in the cash, cash position and how is that, you know, how is how is that going to work against newly Michigan, at Michigan, which is now a newly spread offense. So, uh, I think, you know, there's there's ton of him for, to think about there. Yeah, maybe corner, I think, maybe. Uh, both uh, Hankins and Ojibunia were in boots at the end of spring, and they'll be back for fall. But, you know, I think corner gives you something to think about and it gets some of the younger guys in there. Mark, a uh, season ago, two early entries to the draft with Joshua Jackson and James Daniels for this year, all taken in the uh, first four rounds of the draft. And it looks like next year, A.J. Epinesa, I tweeted out he's 101 to be the number one overall pick next year. He was listed in the top 10. Tons of mocks with him. Tristan Wirfs, Alaric Jackson, all guys that would be early entries. What does it change, if anything, for Iowa football? Be it recruiting, be it the way they get on the field early. Does this change the way that Kirk Ferentz, the way he evaluates and, and builds his roster year after year? Probably not, because I don't think that they... Pro- I don't think when they recruit a guy like T.J. Hawkinson, they think he's a, well, he's three and done. Right. Um, maybe they can think that with maybe Tristan Wirfs. And maybe that's a fair thought because, you know, he started out at 300 pounds. But you don't have all, you don't have to build that body up from 260 or 270. So he's not going to lose a year that way. So, yeah, it, it's hard. That stuff's hard to see. And, but, but I don't think that that really changes. Maybe it changes some timetables for guys who are on the team now, Trent. Like a guy like Mark Hallenberger, all of a sudden he's going to become very, very important next year if Iowa loses both tackles. I wouldn't be shocked if that kind of shapes this year's lineup. You know, they want to hurry up Kallenberger's development. Maybe they want to hurry up a guy like Ezra Miller's development to get them ready for tackle because, you know, realistically, Trent, you're right. I mean, all those guys are NFL, you know, they're clickbait for the NFL. Uh, I think it's going to make the guys who are here right now, it's going to kind of edge up their timetable. And, they, you know, maybe you see Kallenberg, maybe they want him to win a guard position just to show that, hey, they trust him maybe to play tackle next year. Uh, last thing for you, Mark, in our final minute or so, just, uh, you know, your thoughts on the uh, Hawkeyes that were drafted. The tight ends both went in the first round. Most thought that they would. Some thought maybe fence slips. Uh, but it was round number four where Nelson and Hooker come off the board. Your thoughts? I thought that was low for them. Um, I I think they ended up in good programs, but I thought that was low for them. I thought they would have gone in second, second or third round. Uh, Fanton Hawkinson, what a great commercial from the University of Iowa. It's already paying off for tight ends. You guys are seeing some Cadillacs on the lot there. Um, yeah, I think I think a hugely successful 
spring football period for Iowa. Yeah, they didn't fill up the stadium with eighty thousand or seventy thousand, whatever fans said. But they get, you know, they they had twenty million dollars worth of uh, signing bonuses it's a pretty good number no doubt about it mark morehouse cedar rapids gazette mark thank you very much appreciate you coming on as always you bet guys thanks for yep, me good on. to talk to you mark morehouse cedar rapids gazette as we dot i's and cross t's on spring football basketball note uh looks like that harvey the transfer from notre, notre dame. dame yeah is he close down to two. This Who's is from the. Uh, I'm assuming I was one. If you, yes, that's why you brought yes. it up. Uh, Vanderbilt is the other new coaching staff there. Fendi. Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, I know. I know. He's gonna. He's. I think he's gonna get some seats in some living rooms yes. that maybe Vandy wouldn't have got in the past. Right. Right. I mean, one year of Bryce. Uh, Bryce Drew. Yeah, yeah, that was Bryce Drew. Still one year. I know that's awful quick to. Cut they, bait like they must that. have knew they had something there with Stackhouse, though. That had to be in the works. Cut a guy after a year? You wonder, right? Yeah, you do. Good question. Uh, we will talk to David Kaplan next. Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible for us to do this. Cappy next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Flash offers for details. Providing your midday sports fix. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. It's time to talk to Cappy. We're going to head to Chicago. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa, NBC Sports Chicago, ESPN 1000. Coming off another win, uh, we talked to Cappy as the Cubs are moving in, uh, closing in on those Cardinals at the top of the division, a team that spends the weekend at Wrigley Field. Cappy, Trenton, Ken, how are you? I'm good, boys. How you doing? Doing fine, Cap. I want to get a couple of things off the field before we get into the play of the team, as some of the bats seem to have uh, uh, woken up, which is uh, certainly good news for the Cubs and their fan base. Let's start with the the Yahoo story that came out over the weekend. Uh, at some point, I think it was Sunday, uh, being critical of the Cubs brass regarding their dislike for some of the uh, the way that uh, some of the stuff surrounding the Cubs is reporting. I know you and Jesse Rogers, amongst others. Uh, very quickly came out and said, look, this has never happened to us. Theo said yesterday that it's a fireable offense if anyone in the organization is trying to influence the media. Now this morning, Paul Sullivan, who's been around the team a long time, said, and I'm paraphrasing, they've been trying to influence coverage for years, complaining to editors about articles and tweets they didn't like. Cap, is there something to the way the Cubs uh, tries to go after the media and and, and uh, put out their own narrative? Uh, look, I've worked for that team probably as long as almost anybody in the current media. Uh, I've been there. I was hosting their pre and post starting in 1995 and have been doing their pre and post since then. And I don't plan on not covering the team, whether I'm doing their pre and post or covering the team. I don't plan on not being around this team. I could tell you that I have not one time had anybody try to influence my coverage, and I've had some doozies where I flashed at them, whether it was the drafting of Ben Christensen, who I thought was a reprehensible draft pick. Uh, did I get into it with Jim Hendry over that, who's a dear friend of mine now? Absolutely. They were not happy when I just destroyed Ben and the pitching coach at Wichita State at the time. And Jim and I had a you know a good argument, but that's what healthy you know relationships do. He gave me his point, I gave him my point, and we moved on. And that's my big thing is if I blast a player, I'm going to show up at the park. I've had Marlon Bird in my face, 
I've had Sammy in my face. You guys know I have a good working relationship now with Sammy. I've had others that have just gone off on me for something I either wrote, said, you know, written, whatever the case may be, tweeted. I've had my issues with them. And I do remember when they were really struggling one year. I want to say it's like, oh, six. They were horrible. And I came on the post-game show, and I annihilated them. I mean, said how poorly run they are, that they have no idea what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. And the next morning, I get a call from Dave Ennett, who I love dearly and is the sports director to this day at WGN. And he said, uh, hey, kids, I got a phone call from Dennis Fitzsimon's office. That was the CEO of the Tribune. They need you to call Dennis as soon as you can. So I get in the car. I'm like, okay, this isn't going to end well for me. I And I probably was a little too vocal in my criticism. Phone rings. His secretary answers it. And I said, hi, this is David Kaplan. I'm calling for Dennis. She said, he's been expecting your call. Please hold. And I'm like <laughs> shaking in my car. My career hanging in the balance, and he's like, Cap, how are you? I said, good. He said, uh, I got a copy of your comments from last night. You're pretty critical. I said, yeah, I get fired up, and when I watch what I watched last night, I see how bad this team is. Sometimes my emotions get the best of me, but I thought I was being honest. And he goes, let me stop you right there. The reason you have credibility with your listeners is you tell it like it is. He said, you support us when it's right. You are critical when it's wrong. I have no issues with what you said. Did it bother me to hear it? Yes. But if I'm being honest, we're a bad baseball team and things are going to change around here. And that's exactly what ended up happening. A couple months later, Dusty out, Lou Pinella in. They open the purse strings. They go get Soriano and Jason Marquis and Mark DeRosa and all those signings, Ted Lilly, and they win back-to-back divisions. And to this day, I have a good working relationship with Dennis, who's retired, uh, he's a friend. I played golf with him, and he was nothing but awesome. The late Jim Dowdle saw me in the lunchroom after the Ben Christensen draft pick, and I had blasted them. And he said, geez, a little hard on us? I said, no, I just thought it was the right thing. He's like, well, keep doing your job. And I obviously was there almost 22 years. No one ever fired me. No one ever suspended me. So, again, did Sully have a blowback? Yes, Paul Sullivan. You can reference the tweet if you want. Tell everyone, and then we could discuss it. Well, he just said I was paraphrasing. Let me try and get it up. He mentioned the fact that this has happened, you know, not only at the Tribune, but the Sun-Times and the Daily Herald. I'm going to read it verbatim. Looking forward to the imminent firing squad, period. Cubs brass, parentheses, not Theo or Jed, has been trying to influence coverage for years, constantly complaining to editors and art about articles and tweets they didn't like, whether it's the Tribune, Sun-Times, or Daily Herald. Cap, I also will say this, that I'm assuming that every organization or most organizations Organizations, if they don't like something, they are going to at least reach out to the author or to the host and express their opinion, whether they do so in public or not. That's another thing. Well, here's the deal on Sully. I love Paul Sullivan. I think he's a great baseball writer, and he's a good friend of mine. I really like him. I was doing rain delay coverage. Ed Lynch, this is how far we're going back. Ed Lynch was the GM. Sully, kind as he is, I said, hey, man, can I grab you for a few minutes? He said, yeah, let me do the TV for a few minutes on rain delay, and I'll come into your booth. We're at Wrigley. And he goes on and basically calls for Ed Lynch to be fired on the team broadcast on the rain delay coverage. And his bosses at the Tribune 
were so mad, I believe they pulled him from the Cubs feet and put him on the White Sox. Oh, they, were, they were furious. <laughs> and he didn't say anything that wasn't correct. Ed Lynch deserved to lose his job. He was not doing a good job as the GM. But it's different if you write a story about it in your newspaper versus on the team-sponsored broadcast, you go out and eviscerate the general manager. And so that, you know, that happened, and I do know of occasions pre-Ricketts, pre-Theo and Jed, where some people, if they wrote something that the team felt was inaccurate, they would say something to them. And I've, I'm sure that goes on. But I have never once had anybody say, you can't criticize like that. Never. So from my perspective, if it happened to someone else, it's wrong. It shouldn't happen. For me, it never happened. Cap, uh, you're in the third biggest media market here in the country. You deal with a lot of teams, Bulls, Blackhawks, uh, of course, White Sox and the Bears along with colleges and everything else that you guys cover on a day-to-day basis. Is there an organization that is more difficult to work with, an organization that does have these kind of things that happen more often? Anything pop to your mind? Is there a team that's tough to work with on this? Yeah. Um, not really. I mean, look, I think if you're fair, you can be critical. I mean, I've gone on ESP 1000. I've called for the firing of Fred Hoiberg. You guys know that. Mm-hmm. I thought he'll be a great coach at Nebraska. I thought he was a little in over his head here. Now, again, I don't think management did a great job. I've called for the firing of Garth Foreman, the firing of John Fox, the firing of Phil Emery. You know, I mean, that's not an easy thing to do to go on and, you know, say that someone should lose their livelihood. Now, again, there's no tag days for these guys because they're all making millions of dollars. So it's a big difference than that and calling out the firing of a mailman who can't feed his family. That there's a big difference, but I think when you when the time is right, that's what that's what our job is. You know, people forget my job is to drive conversation on a talk show, to make you listen and think, and to give my opinion. And my opinion may not jive with everyone out there, but at least allow me the chance to present my case. And then you can say, "Hey, you're an idiot. You're wrong." There were a lot of people who wanted Ryan Pace fired. I didn't. I thought he was going to get this thing in the right spot and how bad it was people had forgotten. And so far, it looks like it's going in the right direction. So we'll see where all this goes. But I have not had a problem with any of the teams in town. But I tried to handle it with class. Instead of coming on and going, your GM sucks, get him out of here. It's, here's my case, and I believe that they need to change the general manager. I said the same exact thing without the viciousness. That some fans will say, you're, you're too nice to them when they're on the air. I had a long interview with John Paxson, and I was very critical of, John, how could you sell a draft pick to the Golden State Warriors when you're trying to rebuild your team? John, why did you not do this? John, why did you not do that? And at the end, hey, man, hope your son's doing well in Iraq because he's serving the country, mm. which is a way bigger thing than talking sports. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. See ya. And I get an email from some guy. You're too nice to him. He's a terrible general manager. Well, that's not my job to come on and eviscerate him. My job is to come on and ask the tough question 
but do it with a modicum of class. Cap, let's move on in our final few minutes here. Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible for us to speak with Cappy on a uh, weekly basis. Addison Russell, news came out last night it was, uh, uh, that uh, he's going to be optioned to AAA once his seven days are up. Uh, that's coming to an end here, so he's going to stay down here. Cap, I get the sense, and maybe maybe I'm all wet here, but it's, I think it's looking more and more like he's played his final game as a Chicago Cub. Do you see it that way? What's behind this? I can't say that I for sure believe that, but it would not surprise me. Absolutely would not surprise me because, look, they went out last night and they won a game in Seattle. Kyle Schwarber is hitting over 400 the last seven days. He hit a big two-run home run to win the ball game in the eighth inning last night. And Daniel Descalso turned a huge double play to start in the ninth with two men on and nobody out in a one-run game. Ball the second, he made a great turn, fired a Baez over to Rizzo, and they get two quick outs. They get a strikeout, and the ball game's over. There's no reason that Descalso shouldn't play. Uh-uh. There's no reason that Ben Zober shouldn't get his opportunities. There's no reason that if Chris Bryant's at third, that David Bodie can't get some time at second. Well, where are you going to play, Addison Russell? He's, Phil Rogers was on my TV show yesterday. I love Phil, but I thought he was completely insane. He would immediately recall Addison Russell and put him back in as the starting shortstop. No way. And I said, Javi Baez might be the best player in the National League. Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich notwithstanding. He might be. He's in the top five, top three. Why would I pull him from shortstop when he's playing sensationally well and say, you know what, kid, love how you're playing, but I think we're going to move you over and put you back in second. Do you want to move Russell into the mix? I guess. But I don't disagree that there's a chance he played his final game as a cup, and that would not bother me at all. You know, Cap, we, we've talked about some retooling with this team. Obviously, we've talked a ton about the bullpen. And this isn't even a, a starter question, but we've seen Wilson Contreras struggle here over the last week, 10 days. Batting average has gone down. Looks like he is going to see a whole lot of innings. Would it it'd be a low-leverage type of move? But Taylor Davis certainly is not anything that you'd expect to be a big-time player going forward. Could you see them going out and getting a veteran backup here and, and be able to relieve some of the stress on Wilson Contreras take some of those at-bats away, and be able to have a guy that you know is going to be healthy come September? Yeah, I could definitely see them getting a veteran-type catcher. Um, it depends on the Caratini. Caratini they sure. like him, and he's off to an amazing start. Yep. So mm-hmm. If Caratini is going to be back in two weeks, they won't do anything. If Caratini has got another month or more, yeah, then there's definitely a chance because you can't burn Wilson out like what happened last year when he got overworked. He didn't follow his process. He got away from what made him a really good player and an all-star starter. And so, yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, if Caratini's not ready fairly quickly. Cap, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, just take a couple of minutes. Uh, Chet Kopik, just a giant in the sports media in Chicago, uh, was killed in an accident. And I know his funeral was recent. Uh, he meant a lot to you. We remember him here as he was on cable TV here doing his sports reporter type show back in the late 80s into the 90s. Uh, so some people remember Chet Kopik in Des Moines. What did he mean to Chicago sports media wise and how will you be remembered? He was the godfather of sports talk in this town. 100% a godfather talk. None of us are doing what we're doing if he didn't start it uh, with his amazing show, Copagon Sports. And David Kaplan sent him a note. There was no email back then. I included a couple copies of my Windy City Round Ball Review high school, college basketball newsletter. Got a phone call. It was on my recorder. I wish I still had that. Yeah, that. Saved and I don't. And he said, 
All right, kid, I got an opening tonight, 8.30. Come on the show. Let's see what your chops are. If you're good, I'll bring you back. And that started a lifelong relationship. He was at my first wedding, and he got me my first opportunity at AM 1000 1993. And here I am, you know, over 30 years knowing that guy. It all worked out. Indeed, Copy. Thank you for what you do for us. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Good to talk to David Kaplan, Centurion Stone of Iowa. Makes it possible, whether you're looking for manufactured or natural stone, to accent or update your exterior or interior project of any size. Centurion Stone of Iowa, variety of styles, patterns, and colors for your every need. Has the look and feel of natural stone and is available in over 200 color and pattern combinations. Don't take my word for it. Make a trip to Centurion Stone. I'd visit the showroom. Uh, you can see what uh, Trent and I saw in person. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Or check them out online, centurionstoneofiowa.com. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, the whole media situation regarding the Cubs. Trent, I have to believe that every organization has um, a person that, you know, maybe not like the coverage and is not not entrusted, but perhaps is the, you know, the 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 one that goes public with their belief that yeah, that's a little unfair. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to say something, criticism coming back at the media, at a at a writer, at a talk show host, that's absolutely in bounds. Um, I don't know, maybe 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 this is a bigger deal than than I think it is. Well, and trying to sway coverage, if you come out and say they got the report wrong. Or this is the way that we see things. Or if they've threatened to revoke credentials because you said it this way, that's yes. crossing the line. Absolutely. And we haven't heard that No, from the Cubs. No. Even Paul Sullivan's tweet from this morning, it was tried to sway or cover. Mm-hmm. Very well could be somebody, communications director, it, it could be somebody higher, but somebody saying, hey, give us a break. Something like that. Or do you have to be hard all the time? Just those yeah. kind of things. We don't know the context behind it. Speaking to an editor of a writer, that's like somebody going to 80, Andrew Downs here, and, and saying, hey, can, can you tell whoever, mm-hmm. lay back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can, can you just ask him to do that? You can ask him. Yep. And Andrew can say no. Right. That's not, or he can say, yeah, we'll have a conversation. It's Those types of things happen. But I think for the most part, you said, going over the line. That's not what the Cubs have done here. At least from everything that we've heard from people. Have they tried to sway? Sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Are they alone doing that? Of course no. not. No, not at all. Uh, Addison Russell, the news he's staying down here. Do you think he's played his last game? I'm kind of leaning that <sighs> way. It is. And if they're going to get pennies on the dollar. And that, that's what they're going to get. It sounds like that's what or they're going to get. Or maybe he's a throw in peace now. Again. If they didn't have that baggage, that's a hell of a throw-in piece. Oh, yes. Because he's one of the best of his position. But you can't take Baez away from second, and I agree with you. Descalzo was great in the field. He was great at the plate last night. Let off the game with a home run. Um, Though those defense was a little shaky there. What was that, the fourth inning? I'll have to take your word for it. I was probably back on the oh, hoops at that yeah. point. No, I was just, the, the game. You and your hoops. Yeah, all all well, I soon. told you, Sunday got me going. You're I into know. it. Here we go. Finally, basketball time. NBA basketball time. It's getting good. Yes. First round was awful. Uh, second round's been a whole lot better. All right. We will take a timeout. We come back in the 11 o'clock hour. Alex Halstead. A lot of recruiting stuff going on with Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Taylor and Horton Tucker gets a combine invite, so we'll talk Iowa State. We're also going to recap or finish recapping our four local teams draft. Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com on the Vikings. Here till noon. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNL.